0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. Yo, 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 back in the saddle again, my friends, my little gelflings of liberty. Notice I say gelflings, not the podlings. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, get a clue. It's one of the best Jim Henson movies ever made. A little film called The Dark Crystal, which scared the living shit out of me as a child. But damn, it's a good movie. Podlings, though. Mm. Podlings to me, you know, they're like these creatures that exist to just to, to fulfill the whims of their crony masters. I And I say crony, especially poignant, because they are, in fact, crones. They're like these skeletal creatures of stupidity, yet that wield an un- unbelievable amount of power, these hunched over awful idiotic things that command these little uh, sheep-like creatures that are called the podlings, brings to mind Maxine Waters a bit, you know, just a horrible old crone that is has a incredible amount of influence over all sorts of idiotic little round things. But we'll talk about that a little bit later today. Now that getting into the show, this is Electric Liberty Land, episode number 78. And of course, this episode originally was supposed to be ha- having, having taken place at Porkfest. And uh, sad to say it didn't happen. <laughs> you know, we did our Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor show, which you heard on Monday. And uh, if, if you're wondering who won... As far as just drinking the most whiskey, the most handle of whiskey, uh, I won. I think that was pretty clear from listening to the recording, wherein I became insanely drunk, just uh, magnificently drunk. And I do want to clarify that although you hear me yelling at people, uh, the crowd's laughing, and if you're there, we'll you know we're, we're putting the video out for our pride, which uh, also gets to see the unedited version of that, uh, which there's all <laughs> there's a lot more stuff on there, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, trust me, you, a lot of the yelling, it's, it's for a comedic effect. Although some of it was not, (laughs) I was getting very frustrated with people not letting me finish my goddamn thought anyway, got crazy drunk, uh, drank uh, just full glasses of whiskey with basically a, a dash of ginger ale and a bit of ice full solo cups full. And, uh, Like I said, I I think I won as far as the most whiskey drank during the podcast because I was really trying to stick to the spirit of the thing, which was to drink as much of that damn handle in front of the crowd as possible. But unfortunately, there is, in fact, a downside to that, because uh, when you drink that much whiskey that fast, you tend to get get a little uh, fucked up. And I got incredibly fucked up. Uh, I won't give you all the details, but uh, because we're going to again, we're going to talk about that for our pride on our degenerate gamblers show this week, a little recap show. But uh, suffice to say, I did not make my scheduled appearance to record Electric Liberty Land the next morning. And uh, this was a tactical decision, both tactical in the way that I thought I'd probably throw up on the way there and during the show, but also because it was bomb and rain. And I just knew I was like, ain't nobody going to be there, man. Ain't nobody going to be there. You're going to go there. It's just going to be you throwing up on a microphone by yourself. However, my boy Tyler, good pride member, he was there with his buddy, So it would have been two people. So I'm sorry to let you down, Tyler. But, yeah, you got to hang out with us the whole weekend. So so it is, my brother. Anywho, uh, let's get into the show. So first things first, I want to go back a little bit since uh, there's some time here and a lot of news came out. Talk about the uh, association healthcare plans that came out there, of course, really pushed by Rand Paul and approved by Donald Trump. The Labor Department put them into play last week, or actually, I guess they are rolling into play during the next opening window um, from September to April when you could buy into these healthcare programs, because we're still under the auspices of Obamacare, even though we're, we've gotten rid of the tax now. Well, I say we, the government has gotten rid of the tax, the same government that put the shit in the place in the first place, but... The government's gotten rid of the the tax uh, enforcement on that, which is fantastic. But these association healthcare plans are a huge step forward because what you had was all sorts of small businesses just getting completely screwed because the coverages were going up, the premiums were going up. And same thing if you're an individual buyer. You know, I mean, I know mine went up. I know uh, you know my company had to pay something more like $150 a month for healthcare. Uh, outrageous. I know marks went up, and uh, or at least when he was a, a ind- independent contractor. I think now he's maybe has a different scenario. But point being, you've got all these companies that are now facing massive increases in the cost of providing health care. And what's going to happen? Well, they're going to cut their people loose. They're going to say, look, I got to cut your hours because under Obamacare, it's mandated that if you're 40 hours or much, I have to provide you health care. And that just doesn't work as far as the compensation you're receiving and the amount of work in return and my overheads. And these association healthcare care plans Harken back to a a time in the past, in truth, where a lot of associations actually collectively bargained together as groups. You had fraternal orders which did the same kind of concept and got fantastic medical care for very cheap cost. It also gets rid of a lot of the bullshit that was put in there, like these mandates to cover, uh, you know, making sure that everyone gets maternity care, uh, prescription drugs coverage, mental health services, uh, other essential health benefits. All these things which you say, okay, well, yeah, I would want them. Great. I'm glad you'd want them. We all would want them. But you know what? That's up to you and your healthcare provider or you and your employer to discuss during the terms of your negotiating employment. And if they do not have a healthcare program, which you can subscribe to and which you believe is fair, walk away and find another job. I can't stand the concept that government can force every employer to have the exact same healthcare coverage and you must be mandated to cover these things when it's simply not financially possible for you to do that a lot of the time. And it's idiotic to say that across the board, this is a thing that must be done. It's the same thing with, with um, where you say, okay, well you're trying to force a federal mandate across all the States saying that people must pay a certain amount, a certain wage. Meanwhile, when you're looking at Seattle, the douches in Seattle, That might make sense. When you're looking at a place like Los Angeles, that might make sense because you have a higher rate of living, higher cost of living for everything. So you say you have to pay a wage that operates accordingly. And market would dictate that regardless because if people can't work at a a wage they can live upon, whether or not you have have to have a roommate or two, which guess what? I did for the first 10 years I lived here. Well, you can't just say you have to pay that in places that are outside of major hubs. And this is also the problem, by the way, when we talk about city concepts versus rural concepts. People in the cities don't understand that life ain't the same outside of this little walled region that you believe in should be considered the end-all be-all for society and for opinion. Because what ends up happening is that you go an hour outside of Los Angeles and you have these smaller communities that are arguably very much rural they 've got a small population they've got they've got low uh, cost of living they 've got low rates of uh, cost for home ownership. so why would it be expected of them to pay somebody fifteen dollars an hour when probably that 's what somebody that runs the business is making because your economy is simply not at the same point as a major city it's just completely idiotic to anybody with half a brain cell to rub together when you look at it from a macro perspective and say different areas have different financial models. They have different economic systems that operate independently of what you might have in the most populous and most prosperous city in America. So anyway, these healthcare association plans do a good job of addressing that. I am beyond happy to see them being rolled out here and, uh, and see Obamacare get another punch in the dick because God damn it, I hate Obamacare. All right, we're gonna keep crackalacking here because I have a lot of shit to go through. Next thing we're going to talk about. All right, let's talk a little bit about free speech and the ACLU. Because a leaked internal memo revealed that the ACLU has completely decided to put its tail between its pathetic little legs and abandon essentially what has been its core motive, its core driving principle for the entire time it's been in existence, and that is free speech. Here is an excerpt from the leaked memo. Our defense of speech may have a greater or lesser harmful impact on the equality and justice work to which we are also committed, wrote ACLU staffers in a confidential memo obtained by former board member Wendy Kaminer. The memo continues. Factors such as the present and historical context of the proposed speech, the potential effect on marginalized communities, the extent to which the speech may assist in advancing the goals of white supremacists or others whose views are contrary to our values and the structural and power inequalities in the community in which the speech will occur. It just it, This is the AC fucking LU, which should just call itself the Social Justice Warriors Civil Union now. Because, I mean, really, the, the present historical context of proposed speech? The potential effect on marginalized communities? So if you have a speech calling to end the welfare state, that is now going to be considered something the ACLU cannot support because it might have a potential effect on marginalized communities the extent of the speech which may assist in advancing the goals of white supremacists again that is a term which is incredibly subjective or others whose views are contrary to our values where well isn't your fucking main value free speech so uh, let me let me just let me just wrap my head around this. The ACLU, the staffers at the ACLU were saying that they can't <laughs> that they can't support the goals of those who are contrary to our values. They can't support people speaking their minds. The concept that it that defines free speech, being able to freely speak one's mind, because it goes against their core values, which again are supposed to be protecting that that free speech. I, I mean, I, I just it, it's like they were just passing the crack pipe around the ACLU office and then decided it's like drunk texting. Is this a drunk text? Is that what I'm reading here? And then of course, those that support the structural and power inequalities in the community in which the speech will occur. So, (laughs) so if it's perceived by the ACLU that a, a protected group that they choose, of course, this is all incredibly subjective. This is all incredibly uh, adjusted and colored, by what's going on in the social justice prism at any given moment in time, it happens to influence the power inequality in the community, then they can't support the speech being given. They also go on later to talk about the fact that they can't support anybody who happens to be carrying a weapon. So if you are a free speech advocate and you're speaking on behalf of Second Amendment gun ownership, ACLU will not support you because clearly now the ACLU is against the Second Amendment. So not only have they abandoned their defense of the First Amendment, the reason which this was conceived, you know, for all intents and purposes, but now they're just writing up all the other amendments as well. I mean, this is beyond—I mean, we're literally watching an institution which has stood so strong, which has been so steadfast in its its goals, in its stated positions— and was one of the more respectable institutions completely crumble in the face of cultural attacks from the left. And you can see, just like with the institutions that are, the universities being taken over by leftists, we're now seeing the ACLU and the concept of free speech be completely altered by the perception that speech is, in fact, something that is harmful, that speech is, in fact, something that is hateful, speech isn't something that's oppressive, rather than something that it should be viewed as the exchange of ideas in a free society and which, as I've mentioned, a hundred thousand goddamn times is necessary not only to protect people's freedoms, but has been considered in the past. You know, when we look at what was taboo in times past, which would have been viewed by the ACLU disposition in the years past, wherein they say, well, we have to, we have to, you know, protect these certain communities and we have to, we can't support people who had guns you would have almost none of the freedoms that we have today. And yet they're completely blind to this fact. Uh, It just is obscene and sad and purely disgusting. And I recommend that every single person out there, if you give money to the ACLU, write them a very strongly worded letter saying that you will be pulling any and all support from the organization immediately. If they do not reverse course and see a public statement issued to the, to everybody, I want to see it in the Associated Press saying that they steadfastly support First Amendment rights, regardless of who, in fact, is giving a speech at a given time, that they support people's rights to the Second Amendment as stated in the Constitution, and that they understand that free speech is not something that changes according to the ways the political winds are blowing at a given moment in history. I additionally would recommend that the leadership and staff at the ACLU be switched out as soon as humanly possible. I mean, look, just like any other company, the ACLU, while being a nonprofit, is still a company and they operate as such. And the best way you can impact them is by making your voice heard, ironically to the ACLU. Free speech is what's going to bring them down and make them change and by pulling your financial dollars. All right. While we're on the concept of free speech, why don't we give a little bit of talk about Maxine Waters, the crone I mentioned earlier who has been using her right to free speech to issue statements to large groups of people, which of course are then magnified and echoed throughout social media, throughout mainstream media, throughout every possible portal, as far as uh, SJWs and hashtag anti-Trumpers and hashtag resistors are concerned, calling for the outright harassment and possibly, she didn't say this, but We know what happens when people get together in crowds and start to scream at people in public forums, as we saw with Antifa and numerous other people throughout this whole Trump saga, wherein violent protests and attacks have taken place on people in support of Trump. But Maxine Waters had been quoted, and hold on, let me bring up the exact thing that she said, as stating... If you see anybody from the cabinet, in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. She later told MSNBC that protesters are going to absolutely harass them. Now, let's not forget that harassment is actually a crime. So you have a senator, one of the stupidest senators, by the way, and I completely agree with Donald Trump in his assessment that Maxine Waters does have an incredibly low IQ, Maxie Waters is a moron. She happens to be a well-liked moron within the community who keeps getting reelected, much to my chagrin. But we see her say things like this, and we say, okay, this is not a very intelligent person. Because people who are not very intelligent are the first people to spring to using violence against somebody or to using these type of measures. I don't like what they have to say. So instead of talking to them, instead of having a rational discussion with them, I say, everybody go out and yell at them in public and make sure that they can't eat anywhere and they can't shop anywhere. That is absolute harassment, and it will lead to violence. And I've been talking about this for a while anyway. This rhetoric, which, I, which had calmed down in recent days or recent months from the start of things where we had senators being shot on, on softball fields by crazed lunatics on the left. And of course, Rand Paul being tackled by his insane neighbor, which he still says is over lawn clippings, completely wasn't. And of course, the guy gets 30 days in jail. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And now Rand Paul is suing him in a civil suit, and I hope that he takes him for all he's worth and puts him out in the homeless area. But anywho, you've got people that are being, they're already aggrieved. They're already angry. There's already nothing that they can do in a rational sense. These people are already completely blinded to anything that Donald Trump can do that's good. They've already been told that Donald Trump supporters are, you know, that are the deplorables of the world, that they've been, these people have been dehumanized, which is my biggest concern with rhetoric like this. When, you ha- when you're talking about an enemy of yours and you're saying these people are evil, these people have no souls, these people want you and your families to, to be kicked out of the country, they want they, they don't want black people to succeed, they don't want LGBTQ people to, be seen, or to succeed. They now have been dehumanized. They now have been taken, just like in a war, they even so propagandized against anyone that disagrees with their viewpoints without even discussing with them, without having a person-to-person conversation to find out why they think the things that they think that they are now viewing them strictly as the enemy. And when you are viewed as the enemy, your private property rights go out to the window of these people. They're more than welcome to aggress upon you. They're more than willing to follow you around and harass you and try to make your life a living hell. This is crossing such a line. And we've seen the backlash. Even Nancy Pelosi, the other crone in Congress, it's like mirror clones, uh, these two. Different different sides of the racial so- uh, barrier, but goddamn, man, they can play the mirror game. They're both so old and cronish. But we've seen even Nancy Pelosi pushing back and saying, this, this is too much. You cannot, as a senator, try to rouse people to harass people and incite violence. I mean, we're talking about free speech, right? Isn't that the one thing you're not allowed to do with free speech? Isn't that the one area in which... People say, OK, this is too much. If you're trying to incite violence, Maxine Waters is trying to incite violence. That is simply what she's doing. There's no way around it. And she can say, and she has said, she, wanna, she It's such an idiot, this woman. She goes on, she goes, here's the amount of times that Trump has incited violence. As if, number one, I can't remember Trump actually inciting violence necessarily. That doesn't mean he hasn't done it. But, so two wrongs makes a Right. Is that what we're arguing here? This is the same thing with the goddamn, you know, Trump Obama thing. These these Johnny Come Latelys, when it comes to the border and the immigration issue, saying, "Well, yeah, you know, well, well, that you know, Obama did it." Like the people on the right, well, okay, well, it was evil then, and the Johnny Come Latelys saying, "Well, it's well, Trump's the devil." Nope, it was evil then. It's evil now. Evil's evil. Same thing. If Trump's tried to incite people to violence, then that was fucked up. But of course, at the time, he also was not president of the United States. And if he said anything as president of the United States, inciting violence or telling people to harass people, which I don't think he has. Again, I think maybe during the campaign, he might have said, if there's people in causing a ruckus, you know, don't let him do it or something. But you can't simply say this is an excuse as to why it's okay now. Just like with the immigration, saying that Obama did it. What about Obama? doesn't excuse the action. And just cuz Trump did it doesn't excuse your inciting people to violence and trying to incite people to harass people that are just trying to do their jobs. Now that being said, I have no issue with the owner of the Red Hen asking Sarah Sanders Huckabee to leave. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Do I think it's stupid? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think it's idiotic. But whatever. If you have somebody in uh, you know they said that they had somebody that was gay or lesbian working there, despite the fact that Trump was the first president to ever take office and is openly supporting a gay marriage and has done absolutely nothing to harm the gay community. Uh, But if you have an issue and you have a perceived slight against him, well, you own that restaurant. It's your right to kick that person out. And it's absolutely hilarious to me that the left is saying, yes, you, yeah, you can, you should be able to kick that person out. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Everybody kick all these people on the right out. After we just had them cause the biggest shit fest in the world because a baker didn't want to make a gay wedding cake. Again, as a private property owner, owning a private business and would sell them anything else. This is, in fact, worse because the baker would still sell them. He would still serve them anything else rather than make this one wedding cake. Or I'd say not rather than just in general, anything else you want that I make. However, I just cannot give you a cake that is based upon a religious ceremony, which I object to. That's, that's his option. He owns the business and he was still letting them shop there. These people are saying, just because I don't agree with you politically, you may not come in and, and sit in my restaurant or eat at my restaurant. You can't be on my property. And yet the left has this cognitive dissonance where they say, this is great. This is okay. But this other thing is evil. Discrimination is discrimination if you want to discriminate somebody based on one thing or the other thing as a business owner that's your prerogative isn't it and just as with masterpiece cakes and just as with all these other places you know what the best way to flip this is just let the free market decide they've got social media they've got a yelp page when you do something like this when you kick somebody that's a trump supporter out well guess what you're gonna have a lot of people writing on the yelp page aren't you You're going to have a lot of people impacting your reviews because of your bigoted views. And yes, you are a bigot. Just as on the other side of things and the free market impacting that. You made a decision. You now bear the brunt of that decision within the free market, within people coming and spending money at your store. And people on the left are free to go in there and support her decision. I'm sure there will be tons of them that do that. People on the right are free to boycott it. but you. Have a decision, you have a choice on your private property so while I don't think that the hashtag civility has gotten any higher, and while I think that Maxine Waters is an absolute fucking clown, I can't disagree with this person's actions now, I will without a doubt disagree with mobs of people following cabinet members around and harassing them, which again is illegal that is an act of aggression and frankly is disgusting in a society like we have today. And it's kind of funny because we have all this conversation about bullying in schools and cyberbullying, and people killing themselves because of cyberbullying and bullying. We have all these, these campaigns, these PSAs don't bully, you know, talk to people, give everyone a chance. Don't be a bully. And yet we've got Maxine Waters acting like a bully. We've got people that are complaining that Trump acts like a bully. And at the same time, we've got people on the left that call Trump a bully, actively calling for people to get together in groups and to bully his cabinet members into submission. (laughs) I mean, you can't write hypocrisy like this. If you wrote something like this into a script, no producer would make it. They'd be like, this is such an over-exaggeration. This is so stupid. This is so hypocritical. No one would ever be dumb enough to do it. And yet we're seeing it play out right in front of us right now. After Donald Trump's been in office a full goddamn year, we're seeing this play out. Just wow, man. Just absolutely wow. All right. Well, now speaking of free speech, guys, I would like you to listen to this little commercial here and advocate that you use your free speech to give some talking to conversation mat time. Get a little bit of education as how you could better use your free speech to get what you want. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jujitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, we are back. By the way, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, although people have listened to the show before know this, uh, if you want the show notes, go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL78, and you can find all the links to the stories that I'm talking about in this here program. Okay, let's, uh, let's look abroad for a couple stories to finish up this episode as I slowly get hot again in my studio, but God, I can't wait to move into the new house. <laughs> I can have a nice, nice, uh, you know, first floor room, mm, be nice and cool in there. All right. So in Turkey, Istanbul, not Constantinople, Turkish President Erdogan has emerged victorious from the latest election. Not surprising to anybody, uh, dictators, and he is basically a presidential dictator at this point, uh, dictators tend to get reelected. Just as we see in Venezuela, we're seeing the same thing happen in Turkey wherein this coup had failed earlier, or coup, not coup. The coup had failed earlier and, uh, you know, may have even been a false flag, this coup, but he had solidified power. They had an election. It is now over. He won by some 21% of the vote and now gets to retain his position with an incredibly expanded array of powers because what he had done previously after the coup had tried to take place, uh, was eliminated the office of prime minister vastly reigned in the powers of the local congress and also discontinues his crackdown on media so now there's state media outlets in a very china slash north korean style even china media is fully state controlled but he's cracked down on so many of the independent journalists and jailed them that basically you've got a one-way communication arms uh with the state-run media you've got erdogan completely controlling the judicial branch, completely controlling the legislation branch, and now controlling the news branch. And of course, he's also in charge of the military. He's got their uh, loyalty. So you have a man who was taken over this country, made it into a dictatorship. And let's not forget, this country was very close to the United States for many years. And the reason why is because it was secular. And that is quickly becoming uh, a thing of the past because Erdogan himself is highly religious and uh, Islamic. And basically, he's looking to turn this into more of an Islamic republic. Now, <laughs> uh, I can't even say republic because he, he's starting it into an Islamic dictatorship. Now, this is interesting because I can't help thinking about the calls for people after Hillary Clinton lost the election, yet won the popular vote, that people wanted to get rid of the electoral college. Because I look at something like this and I say, huh, you know, you've got this psychopath, power-hungry dictator that has taken the control of the country and they just had an election where there was an alternative, somebody that was going to step in, be more secular, try to bring things back the way they were and the man loses. Now, if you actually had an electoral college in place, you could have stopped this because I doubt that many of the people that were in Congress would have gone along with what's happening here and, uh, and said, well, yeah, sure, let's, let's go ahead and just let this guy continue to make his push to power and turn us into an Islamic uh, state. Let's make sure that we sever ties to the United States, one of our most powerful allies. And the United States, by the way, has already canceled shipments of F-35s to Turkey, which great, you know, <laughs> good on that front anyway. But you're seeing a breakdown in relationship because this man is crazy. But just saying, you know, when you've got this straight Democratic vote that decides things, you get in all sorts of issues. This is why the Electoral College is so so incredibly important, because, you know, in our case, granted, it's more involved with representing people that are not based in city centers, as I was talking about earlier, and you're trying to give more of a voice to the entire country and different ways of living. But I do feel that it has weight in this situation as well, wherein you could have stopped something like this from happening. Okay. Move on to the next topic, Brian. Okay, I will. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the ruling that came into play just today. So, you know, it's brand new. I read some of the the statements from the Supreme Court. They decided on Trump's travel ban and decided that that was, in fact, something that could be upheld. Now, I'm seeing publications like Reason say that this was an incredibly terrible decision. However, and look, you guys might not agree with me on this, but however— To me, it seems like this was held up and the Supreme Court had every right to hold it up. When we're looking at the laws in place, the president and Congress, they do have the right to decide who comes in and who does not come into this country. Now, the arguments for this, you'd say people are saying, well, it's a free speech issue because he's targeting people based upon their religion, which looking at what countries are allowed in and which ones are not allowed in, that is just simply untrue. And they're saying that this is based on, you know, this is horse shit because Trump had said such mean things about Muslim when he was on the campaign trail. Which, <laughs> again, to take it into account, you would say that Hillary Clinton should be, uh, should maybe she should be deported because of her comments about people that lived in this country. Just throwing that in there, but you cannot simply say that. Okay, well, because Trump wants to take certain actions to ban people coming in from war torn areas that happen to harbor a huge amount of militants that have it out for the United States that this is somehow a free speech issue because he doesn't like Muslims. Meanwhile, he's letting in countries that have incredibly high Muslim populations. It doesn't make any sense. You either, if you're going to ban it, if you're going to say this is a free speech issue based in religion, then all the countries that have Muslims will be banned, or you would say anybody of a Muslim faith would be banned. You can't just say, well, Trump's banning these certain countries. If he's only banning certain countries, and he's not banning all people of all religions in Muslimhood, then this is not a free speech issue. So I think the Supreme Court got it right on that front. I also think that while I may not necessarily agree that the president should have this much power, it is delineated that he has this power, that the president and Congress do get to pick and choose who's led into the country in regards to setting the standards, in regards to uh, you saying that people from a certain country may not be allowed in. That's just the way it is. And while I may argue that the people that are not being allowed in from those countries because of the reasoning behind it, that there are terrorists, that there are jihadists, that there's a large amount of uh, potential combatants that would be coming in looking to harm American interests. While I may say that, well, that's all due to the actions we've taken over the last 75 years of constant aggression within those countries and within regions neighboring those countries, it still doesn't mean that it's illegal to do. And, uh, you know, the ban in general, I thought was a little bit idiotic just because stepping up security measures seems like a a better solution to this. You'd already got pretty strict solutions in place as far as background checks, as far as waiting on people. I mean, it just seems like they were already talking about increasing the checks and increasing all the barriers of entry and the the amount of wait time you have to go through and the amount of fact checking that's being done into these people before they come over here. So it seems like that would have just been a better solution or to just keep the same solution and allow them to come in but just weighing in from the position uh, the Supreme Court was looking at it, I think that they got this right. So there you go. Feel free to disagree with me on it, uh, should you like. I know we've got some legal scholars out there. My brother-in-law, of course, up in the Bay Area. Our local scholar, Rico. Maybe I'll talk to him a little bit about it on de- Degenerate Gamblers this week. We'll see. Okay, last thing for this show. I do want to talk about this ridiculous poll that came out. So <laughs> the Thomson Reuters Foundation hosted a poll, and they asked 550 experts who focused on women's issues to rank countries based on a number of key issues, including access to health care, prevalence of sexual abuse, and discrimination. They then listed the most dangerous countries for women. And I'll read off this list to you and let me know if, if this sounds a, a bit ridiculous. Number one, India. Okay. Uh, India probably is dangerous for women. Number two, Afghanistan. Yep, makes sense. Number three, Syria. Okay. Number four, Somalia. Number five, Saudi Arabia, which you'd think things would be getting a little better there. Number six, Pakistan. Number seven, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which that is truly atrocious. Surprised that's not number one. Actually shocking to me that that's number seven. Number eight, Yemen. Again, that's probably due to ISIS using uh, Yazidi women as sex slaves to be sold and sold again. Truly horrific, truly, truly horrific uh, actions being taken over there. And by the way, quick aside, organization I work with in regards to public relations, they're called Yahad in Unum. You can find them at yahadinunum.org. But should you be interested in helping Yazidi women, Yazidi children, they're doing work over there to expose the genocide that's taking place at the hands of ISIS and doing work to establish camps where these women are trained. They're, uh, they're trained to sew, but really it's, uh, it's more the psychologists that are there while these people are being trained to sew and reenter the workforce on their own. They have psychologists who are there walking around, working with the women and trying to get them over the mental barriers of being raped constantly over and over again by ISIS and help them get back into society uh, in a functional manner. So they're doing pretty good work. Okay, back to the list. Number nine, Nigeria. And number 10, the United States. The United States of America, they are ranking as more goddamn dangerous to women than any number of Muslim countries, any number of countries that are under Shiite rule, any number of countries that are over in Africa that are non-Muslim, where things are just basically third world, any number of countries in Latin America, any number of countries all over the world, a hundred countries. The United States is ranked worse than those in regards to access to health care. I mean, are you, are you shitting me? You're telling me that women in the United States are having a problem getting access to healthcare, especially in the era of, of Obamacare? Obama I, I just – I'm dumbfounded by the fucking bullshit they're pushing here. A prevalence of sexual abuse and an addendum to that, they acknowledge they held this poll when? Oh, right after the hashtag me Too shit all came out. When every woman was saying that because she got called honey, yes, that's a real example from somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook, she was called honey at work, hashtag me too, and discrimination. um, uh, Again, uh, uh, where is it coming from? The debunked wage gap? It's just outrageous. So basically, here's what happened. Let me break this down for all of you. They asked 550 experts, many of whom are based in the United States, because we have the luxury— of having people that can be experts in that in this first world country that you live in, that you can have a very good living being an expert on women's issues in America in 2018. A large number, of course, of those people that are working on these women's issues in 2018 are women and happen to be getting grant money, happen to have a very, very fantastic business talking about these same women's issues. So do you think there's a slight bias to say that the United States... Where all of these privileged people compared to the entire rest of the fucking world happen to live and work to say that the United States is facing all sorts of issues here? Because you know what? When I walk down the street, I don't often see women getting stoned to death here. I don't often see women who barely work. I tend to see women who have... Uh, I, I taking a place in an active workforce. I tend to see people that are women of power all over the place. I happen to be married to a wife who makes more money than me and is just fucking killing it. She's awesome, by the way. I see a shitload of opportunity. I see a shitload of free clinics all over the place that service women. I see emergency rooms that can't turn you away. I see Obamacare availability heavily discounted to any single person, man, woman, or child that needs it. And I see ample amounts of charities that deal with victims of abuse or that might need healthcare or that have a discrimination issue who will take legal action on your fucking behalf. But please tell me more about how the United States is the 10th lowest country in the world on women's issues. You fucking group of fucking pieces of shit. On goddamn real And on that rage-filled note, look at that, whiskey-free, not even drunk on the whiskey, still managed to get that much rage because this is so ridiculous. And you know what? It just, you know what pisses me off about this most of all? This idiotic poll is going to be cited as some sort of fact, as some sort of indicator that has any basis in reality, any basis in actual factual poll, or I could say polls. It's a poll. It means nothing. But is any basis in actual statistics, in actual numbers, in actual financial results, in actual real reports of sexual abuse? This is just bullshit in a pretty rapper. And god damn it, you know that every Democrat's gonna cling to this ridiculous poll and say, you know, the 10th. Most dangerous country in the world for women is the United States, as if it's a fact, as if it had any research put into it at all. And it doesn't. Whoo, all right. I'm over it. I've ostracized the Demons Gang. Okay, that's going to do it for this show. I uh, am still a little beat up. Uh, Physically and mentally from Porkfest. But while I'm talking about Porkfest, a huge thank you to Roger Paxton for putting us up there, for giving us the VIP. We had an incredible time. Roger, if you're listening, I was in a bathroom. I've been told a mirror broke. I promise you, I did not break the mirror. (laughs) That much I know, my friend. But thank you so much for having us at Porkfest. It was an incredible time. Amazing meeting Roger, by the way. So much fun to hang out with in person with that guy. Same thing with Johnny Rocket Adams, one of our good friends from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Awesome hanging out with him and his girlfriend. Saw our buddy Chris Spangle out there. Had fun hanging out with old Spangly Dangle. And, uh, and any number of people that we got to meet and hang out with. Eric July being another one. Really, uh, I got to talk to Eric July for just a little bit. Awesome dude. Although our basketball game, tragically, did not take place because uh, I was too hungover. We all were too hungover. <laughs> but uh, I do want to add this, though. Funny, funny little story. I'll share one story with you guys rather than saving it for our degenerate gamblers recap show. And it's this. So I had newer basketball shoes out near in LA because I used to play with a big buddy of mine. And I say big buddy as a good friend, but also he was like six, seven, six, eight good buddy of mine named Curtis, who now is a scout for the Minnesota Timberwolves actually. So Curtis and I would go, you know, play in Venice beach where, uh, (laughs) where white man can't jump took place. And we go ball it up a little bit. And I had my nice shoes, but weirdest thing They'd make my feet numb. Uh, Just bizarre. Both feet after playing for like an hour. Numb. So I got to get rid of them. And I still have my basketball shoes from college, which I haven't worn in years. Because I haven't played since I hurt my back. I had surgery a couple years ago. So I bring my basketball shoes to Porkfest that are at least (laughs) like 20 years old, which is probably dumb. But we get there. You know, I wear them the day we're supposed to play, which is Saturday. It was raining, so it's a little bit tough anyway. And I'm hungover. But I'm wearing the basketball shoes. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear these shoes. I got to, you know mind over matter, man. You're playing ball today. You're going to dunk all over Eric July. So I wear my shoes and uh, it proceeds to rain. I'm walking around in these basketball shoes. And by the end of the goddamn day, both of the heels on my shoes have ripped off from the soles. So I'm just walking around with my foot flopping like fucking Muppet heads. Both of them going flop, 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 flop. Every step I take on both of my shoes. And of course we walk home that night. And it's raining and the, the ground's soaking wet. And I got to walk like 0. 0.4 of a mile while keeping Howie Snowden, who's just blackout drunk and keeps falling over into the ditch next to the, next to the road. So I gotta keep going into the ditch to dig Howie out. My goddamn shoes that are flopping and falling off all over the place. So anyway, that happened. It was a hell of a time, guys. I, I highly recommend you go to Porkfest. We're going to be returning next year. And there is talk of a Lions of Liberty beer pong tournament, which would be a hell of a hoot. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Remember, guys, listen to Mark Clare with his in-depth interviews on Mondays. Listen to John Odie Odermatt on Friday with Felony Fridays. Make sure to donate and support the cause. Tell a friend, buy a t-shirt. Our, our Wake Up Punchy t-shirts, by the way, guys, our good friend Dan Smotz, out of the kindness of his heart, made a Wake Up Punchy shirt and <laughs> that is awesome. And It's in the Lions of Liberty store now. Just go to uh, lionsofliberty.store. Uh, and you can, you can grab one of those or just visit linesofliberty.com of com, And there's a link to the, uh, to the t-shirt store right there, but it's good stuff. But yeah, support the show guys. Please tell a friend, share it far and wide. And I thank you for your patronage. And of course, join the pride. If you want to hear all the crazy stories and all the additional podcasts that happened at pork fest, including the unedited, if you can imagine an unedited version of me, uh, just completely blackout drunk on whiskey. Good times. All right, that's going to wrap it for the show, guys. From me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, I want to remind you to always stay plugged in to liberty.